Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and I'm never letting you guys borrow my Theragun again. <laughs> Joining me today is Devinder Hardawar. There are some podcasters in this house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Jeff Kanata. You know, my mom <laughs> loved the Joy Luck Club, so I thought, why not bring her to this movie with me? It is not the sequel to the Joy Luck Club, unfortunately. Those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing Joyride, the newest film out by Adele Lim. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Find us on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at thefilmcastpod. We're also on threads now, folks. We're on threads. Yeah, baby. So find us on threads at the film. Us and 99 million of our friends. Yes, indeed. Indeed. And of course you can support this podcast at patreon.com slash film podcast, where every week we bring you uh, ad free episodes as well as exclusive after darks this summer. The crew at the Filmcast is also laboring hard to bring you early episodes. So we will, you know, typically the, the show releases on Tuesday after the movie has come out. We're going to try to get some early episodes out to you in the near future. We're going to try to get some early episodes out of movies like Mission Impossible and, and Oppenheimer and Barbie, uh, potentially. You know, like we're, we're working on it. Um, but uh, yeah, if we can do it, we're going to make it happen. And you can get access to those early episodes, at least the review portions of those episodes at patreon.com slash film podcast. Huge thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon and makes this podcast possible. Today, we've got a couple of minor uh, film news things to discuss before we move on into what we've been watching and then to our review of Joyride. But first, last week, Jeff Kanata was talking about how difficult it was to find a new show for his family after The Last Airbender. That's right. And the, the community came through big time. Yeah, so we received dozens upon dozens of emails at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Thank you all. Thank you all for your careful consideration, your great recommendations i got so many great candidates uh in fact it was kind of hard to narrow it down it was awesome to see certain shows bubbling up and getting lots of recommendations it felt like there was a consensus around three or four different shows that felt like great uh great successors should i reveal now what we went with dave or should i wait for my what i've been watching segment don't reveal now what you went with, but can you reveal some of the things that, uh, you know, excluding what you went with, some of the other shows okay. that people surfaced? That would be great. Yes. Uh, a lot of people seconded Devendra's recommendation of Steven Universe. There was yeah. a lot of that. Yep. Uh, so by process of elimination, we're going to be able to guess it, I guess, because I'm going to say all the ones I didn't pick. Uh, several people suggested She-Ra, which I think Devendra also mentioned. Uh, there was a lot of recommendation. We almost went with this one. I think we might be doing this next. A lot of people recommending Owl House, which is a sort of ma school ma magic school show. Um, boy, there was a, so many really, really great ones. Um, you know, it, it was awesome to see how many people responded. How many? I mean, people recommended Voltron, the Voltron reboot that happened a few um, months ago. Yeah, I guess there's years Avatar ago, maybe. people in that too. Yeah, yeah, uh, and a lot of people recommended the Dragon Prince, which I tried and and uh, didn't didn't resonate with me but um yeah I, awesome thank you all i love it when i can ask a question and get such a resounding response uh you, you this 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 audience is fantastic indeed thanks so much for your emails to slash filmcast at gmail.com we really appreciate it 
couple of Barbie-related items in the news I just wanted to mention. I mean, first of all, uh, if you follow film critics on social media, you might have heard recently that... Uh, uh, so I'll just, I just want to describe my experience as a, as a film critic. Um, weeks ago, weeks ago, I got an email from our local publicity arm saying, Hey, uh, like local movie publicists saying, Hey, save the date for the Oppenheimer screening, save the date. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. which, that, which is weird. Cause we don't usually get save the dates. It's rare to get a save the date. Yeah. It's you usually to get, get like, date. here's the date. Like yep, here, here's, here's the, here's the tomorrow. information. It's tomorrow. Yeah. You ready? You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so here's the date for, uh, for Oppenheimer. And so it's like, okay, well, that's weird that you sent to save the date, but that's fine. You know, I'm happy to put, mark that down. That was weeks ago, Friday afternoon, like a few days ago, we get an email saying, Hey, by the way, here's the Barbie screening. And also it's at the exact same date and time as the Oppenheimer screen. There can be only one. There can be only one. (laughs) Uh, so, and let me just say. In history, in the history of, you know, doing uh, this job, it is extremely rare that two major movies get scheduled at the same time. In fact, yeah, yeah, they they, they, they often collaborate. The, yeah. the various PR companies work with various studios. Not always the same PR company handling every studio, but but there is a, a agreement between them not to do that because they understand they are forcing reviewers to not be able to see one right. or the other movies. It's a mutual disarmament. Like we won't <laughs> yeah. schedule over your, cause it helps, it helps no one. Right. It's just like, uh, it forces uh, the publicists. It forces the critics to need to make some really challenging decisions. And it's like, why, why would you do this if you don't have to do this? Um, but apparently like as of this recording, it is still the situation. Like they have, they they are forcing people to choose between seeing Oppenheimer or seeing uh, Barbie early. Um, so anyway, I just, I just think that's interesting because, uh, Barbie is a Warner brothers movie, I believe. And, uh, Christopher Nolan used to be with Warner brothers, uh, before he left after the HBO max streaming debacle a couple of years ago, uh, and took his, took his game and headed over to universal. And now it seems, uh, there's probably no love lost between the two studios if they're going to schedule screenings over each other. But it's a weird little bit of gamesmanship that I just wanted to point out. And I, I do think people are probably curious, like how we're going to handle it here on the film cast. Um, and I will reveal that we are going to be uh, talking about Oppenheimer first, but we will also have a Barbie review on the podcast as well. So both movies will get a chance to shine. Um, it won't be a double review. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give each movie the, its own episode. Uh, but Oppenheimer will come first. Anyway, but we've definitely picked favorites. Just so you know, we mm-hmm. we know already. Yes, indeed. Uh, but yeah, it's it's unfortunate, and it's just like, hey, there's some there's some little uh, gamesmanships going on, gamesmanship going on behind the scenes for these studios. I am shocked that, n- that nobody's blinked yet. I'm, I'm shocked yeah, there hasn't been. Yeah. A, I know a lot goes into these things. Yes. That there's renting. <laughs> the, the the companies have to rent the theaters, right? This is not a free thing that they do. Correct. They rent the theater. They hire security for the theater to make sure no one is recording things off the screen. It's a whole, it's a very expensive thing. And as, again, I think this will probably get resolved in the next week. You know, like they'll, they'll probably add a screening for one of the movies or the other one. But so far, no one's blinked yet. So It's very strange. I've actually had the experience um, where... I misread an email and thought two screenings of two completely different films from two completely different studios were at the same time. And I once uh, 
responded to a PR uh, invite by saying, oh, I can't go to that. The screening for this is that that same time. Mm -hmm. And they responded by saying, actually, isn't that screening this time? Mm. And I went, oh, yeah, you, you're right. You know the other company's screening schedule <laughs> very yeah. well. You know, they, yeah. they are all aware of that. It is yeah. not, you know, it is not a mystery. It is not a oopsie. This is not, this was not a mistake. <laughs> this happened quite intentionally. Yeah. And I think that's what's so shocking about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and usually, like... The, the publicist will also send an email that's like, hey, we know this is at the same time as the other thing. We, you know, we're working on, we're trying to get another screen or something. Nothing, yeah. nothing. No, no sort of hint at any kind of accommodation. So anyway, look, both, I think both movies are going to be, I, I'm looking forward to seeing both movies. I think they're both going to be great. I think they'll both do decently at the box office with Barbie probably doing really, really well is my guess. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's unfortunate that they're, they're taking this, this, uh, path, um, where they're both not budging from the current dates. So we'll see, we'll see. Do you guys have a predi prediction as to how this is all going to play out in with mass audiences? Do you guys think that Barbie, Barbie is, gonna... is the one everyone's going to see? Yeah. yeah. It does yeah. seem that way, but I'm, I'm very curious if, you know, what's the Delta there? What's the gap? What's the. It has become very clear that Barbie will probably make more money than Oppenheimer, right? Like that. Oppenheimer none of us three hours long. It's yeah. rated R. You're not bringing your kids to that. None yeah. of us. None of us. I don't think any of us ranked it higher than. No. I don't. Any of us ranked Barbie higher than Oppenheimer on our summer movie wagers list. We should have. Yeah. Um, but it's sure become, I did. But I it's become clear now that that's yeah. that, that's yeah. Maybe you did, Dvindra. That's possible. Yeah. There's um, no way Oppenheimer is making more money, but you know, take this clip if I if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I can. Let, let, we can just confirm it right now. Devendra put a Barbie at nine and Oppenheimer at that. Okay. So you did do it. Mm -hmm. Uh. You did put Barbie higher than Oppenheimer. Um. As did me and Jermaine. Um. And Peter. And Jeff didn't put Barbie in his top ten at all. So. Because I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, but I think I, I'm very curious, Jeff. I've heard a lot of different things about Barbie. Barbie, actually, as we're recording this, uh, recently premiered. So I think we're going to start to see the reviews pour out this week. Oh, yeah. People we'll, are loving it. We'll have a much better tell. sense of like what Listen, the audience reaction is going to be. Do not confuse my idiocy with uh, what I thought the American public was going to do with my own expectations <laughs> yes. of whether I think it was going to be good or not. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Yeah. People too often conflate those things. Mm-hmm. And I, I have said from the beginning that I'm yeah. very excited to see Barbie. I think it's going to be great. I expect it to be great. I hope it's great. But that, you know, I didn't put it on, not because I, I thought it was going to be too sophisticated and too avant-garde for American audiences to get behind. But clearly I underestimated America, you know? Well, let's see. There's still, still a lot of things left to play out, Jeff. Still a lot of things left to, so let's not, let's not, uh, you know, let's, let's not declare Jeff's summer movie wager dead until it's actually dead. Then I'm happy to dance all over its grave. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm saying. Speaking of Barbie, guys, I have a, a slash film court. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Slash That might be my favorite bumper that we have. Mm -hmm. It's very uh, good. Huge thanks to Simon M. Harris for that bumper music. Slash Film Court is an occasional segment on the Filmcast where we adjudicate your film-related dilemmas. This week, we got a dilemma coming in from Sabina. 
Sabina, and please let us know where you're from when you're writing into slicefilmcast.gmail.com. Sabina writes in, quote, guys, I have a dilemma. Like everyone, I am very excited to see the Barbie movie. Like midnight screening excited. I texted a circle of friends to see if people would be interested opening day. One of them was, but the other three wanted to wait a full week, wanted to wait a full week or two. Some of the reasoning was completely understandable. One of my friend's family members is having minor surgery she's flying out for. Another one is going out of the country for visa paperwork for a week. The thing is, I'd have just watched it opening weekend, then again with them later. But I recently hung out with someone from the group who told me she wanted to see the movie with me specifically and was convincing me to wait so the group can see it together. These are not see-a-movie-twice-in-theater type people. And if I did that, I think they'd find it annoying that I watched it already. So what should I do here? Just watch it and lie that I didn't like it, uh, that I didn't watch it like an asshole? Um, I have other friends not in this group that would see it opening weekend with me. Just bite the bullet and wait, being unable to see it with an opening weekend crowd and drive myself crazy avoiding spoilers. Have any of you been in a similar situation? And what did you do? End quote. (laughs) That's rough. It's a tough one. I'll say right off the bat, I haven't been in a similar situation. I have very few friends these days that like need to see (laughs) a movie opening. Full Full stop. stop. Full stop. Full stop. Full stop. (laughs) Yeah. But that like need to see a movie opening or, or that are like Mm -hmm. that, um, that would want to see a movie, but would also want to wait a week or two. Like if, if I have friends who want to see a movie, they want to see it immediately. Right. They, yeah, it's not like, yeah. I really want to see it, but also let's wait a week or two. Like I don't have any friends that are like that. So here's the hard part about this. In my opinion mm-hmm. is the, the mitigating circumstances that require the waiting. They, they, they are not, uh, frivolent, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Frivolous, frivolous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they are, they are, um, you know, if, if a family member having surgery, all that stuff, that's like, I kind of feel like I would, my yeah. sympathies would go to that person because in the absence of that, mm-hmm. I feel like my, my ruling would come down. See the movie, be yes. honest. Yes. See the movie, say mm-hmm. you saw it. Sorry. I, it's not that I don't want to see it with you. It's that it, it, I, it's important for me to see it fa- early. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to be spoiled. I don't, whatever, whatever the reasoning is to see it early. I'm very excited for this. I want to, I, I will, I will go see it with you again. I'm sorry if that bums you out. I will not indicate how I feel about it in any way, if that's important to you, but don't lie about it. That's yeah, not um, fun. D- don't create more problems. Yeah. It's like the, the step here, but yeah, even, even with, you know, the surgery and stuff, I feel like if you talk to people, they, they may not care as much if you have such a desire to see it, you know, earlier, um, I, I would totally say go for it and just tell them and you guys can see it again. It'll be fine. This is interesting because I was going to suggest lying. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> I, I know. It was David Chen my... method. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but yeah. Noted you know, liar Dave Chen. <laughs> noted liar. There are little white lies we tell our friends and loved ones so that no, we can they, all. They compound. Goodbye. They compound. Like you'll have a conversation and then it sounds like, oh, you know this joke. Or you know something that's going to happen in the movie, or your friend looks over and sees you anticipating mm. a specific moment. It's it's too hard. It's I don't know. I, okay, I mean, not worth that's, it. That's that's fair. I mean, I will say I have hosted podcasts where the whole you know premise of the show is like I'm protecting people from spoilers. Like I think I've gotten pretty good at not mentioning spoilers in general. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so you're a very good liar. But I understand okay. if you're Dave, if you're sitting normie. in the theater, sitting in the theater with friends, going, "I love this part." <laughs> <laughs> Coming up. I love the part coming up. Okay. I won't say anything. <laughs> oh, this scene is so good. Oh, I love it when she says blank. 
Um, Bruce but, Willis is dead the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you guys think there's like lies we tell our friends and family so that we can all live, you know, live in harmony, right? Like, you guys don't disagree with the premise, right? No. Like, no, there yeah. are such things as, you know, white lies or right. little, little lies of consideration. Why, but I don't, why does this not rise to that, though, in your opinion? Like, I feel like this could, is more like just ask them to understand your position. I feel like the. That's why, to me, the, mm -hmm. the, the mitigating circumstances are so impactful here. It's because what you're asking them is to understand. Like, hey, understand that I really want to see this opening weekend. I will happily go with you. But what they're asking you to understand is like, hey, I would be with you there opening weekend. But for the yeah. fact yeah. that someone in my family is getting having surgery. So I feel like that trumps the... Well, let me, your, you know, let, let, me also say, let me also yeah. say that um, I recently had this experience with my brother. I, 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 got, I mentioned you guys. I was going to take my brother to go see Across the Spider-Verse for Father's Day, right? That was the thing that I was going to do. Um, and that didn't happen because he has a kid, because he's a father. And it was, you know, his like he, he's also um, the CTO of, a, of a, a, a thriving startup. And so it's nice. like he's... He is a busy guy, and so he kept. Can he's like, "Hey, sorry, like, let's cancel the screening and let's do it next week instead." And then it's like, "Okay, hey, it's next week," and he's like, uh, "Sorry, I can't do it. Let's push it to another week." And so basically, then it came out that like he he had pushed it a couple times, which is completely fine. Of course, I like I I'd already seen the movie, so it's like whatever. I don't care. Um, but then the opportunity came up for him to see it with his wife. So it's like, oh, great, yes, go enjoy. And then he's like, "But David, I'm still willing to go see it with you a second time." And I'm like, oh well, that uh, there's don't no patronize uh, yeah, me. Yeah, exactly, exactly, Jeff. <laughs> you had Ex your chance. Exactly. That's exactly. There's a there's a something special about seeing it with someone for the first time, and so I understand why Sabina doesn't want to say to her friends, like, oh, I've already seen. Like, this will be my fourth time seeing it. You know, like, you know. I get it. I get uh, it. Well, like if, like adults, you can you can still talk about these things. It's totally fine. the The question is, will your decision uh, make your life a curb your enthusiasm episode? Yeah, that's always <laughs> yeah. a good and yeah, that's, yeah. that's Dave's metric, one, right? Yeah, absolutely, so, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. would say do the thing that doesn't turn your life into a curb your enthusiasm episode. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. just, just say yeah, the truth and tell people what really matters. We don't, we don't really know. Matters. We don't know how intensely. Yes, her friends value the seeing the movie for the first time together. Right? Yeah. If it's yeah. extremely intense. Then maybe the white lie path is a good one. <laughs> I like how none of us have considered actually waiting to see the movie. That's the funniest part. There's, there's nothing, nothing here that's like serious enough to stop. None of, none of us are just like, yeah, because what? None of us, because none of us would take that path. Right? None of no, us would no, wait. None of us would wait to see the movie. None of us would wait to see the movie. Listen, if you're emailing this podcast, <laughs> it's literally our only, our only decision is lie or don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we're seeing the movie opening weekend. It's just about whether I'm telling you the truth about that or not. Well, it's too hard. I mean, we it's do too hard have, to we, wait. You got a whole have week good self awareness. Of, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, in yeah. the after dark last week, we just talked about how uh -huh. we would. We talked about like if we had to see Oppenheimer in an inferior format, would we do that first? And we all agreed we would prefer to see it first yeah. in an inferior format rather than wait to watch an IMAX. Like that's we are we nothing if not consistent. Yeah, yeah. We, are, we are completely consistent. So anyway, thank you to Sabina for that email. Yeah. I hope <laughs> your friends are understanding when you go see the movie yeah. and you damn well please. Yeah. If your friends are like mildly irritated 
that you went to see the movie without them. That's fine. Like whatever. Then Just tell point them. Point the out truth. to point out to them that you could have lied to their face and you didn't. Yeah. How nice yeah, is buy, that? Buy them a drink at the theater or something. You know, there are, there are ways to get over that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, Sabina, let us know. Let us know how that all turns out. Okay. Good luck. Good luck. Uh, and of course, you can always send your dilemmas and other feedback to slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Let's take a break for a sponsor. We'll be back with more and what we've been watching right after this. This episode of the Filmcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Have you ever faced a tough choice in your life? Obviously, we all have, right? I, I know that when I decided with my family to move from Los Angeles here to Denver... It was not an easy decision for me. It signified a lot about my career, giving up certain dreams and goals that I had. I, I struggled with that decision. I struggled with what it meant to me, to my identity. And whether you're dealing with decisions around your career or around relationships or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate your life so that you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. And speaking with someone, a licensed professional, can help you get that practice and allow you to trust yourself to make those kinds of decisions. It's not an easy thing. I've certainly been there. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, and then you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You can always switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com filmcast today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash filmcast f-i-l-m-c-a-s-t all right folks let's talk about what we've been watching uh i'll start i watched a movie called the youtube effect you guys heard of this movie this movie uh-huh. is a, a documentary that is out in uh limited release right now it's directed by alex winter it will be available on streaming in early august uh and it's a documentary about youtube it's basically the the life of YouTube, the creation of YouTube, and how it's evolved and the effects it's had on our society. Uh, I think this is a very solid documentary. I will say that if you follow every single thing that's happened with YouTube over the course of the last 15 years, <laughs> like I have, uh-huh. Uh-huh. there's going to be virtually nothing new in this documentary for you, right? But if YouTube is this kind of vague idea that you don't, you barely understand, what, like you watch cat videos on it occasionally and that's it, you should definitely watch the YouTube effect because it does a, provides a really good overview of how the platform has grown over the years and how the algorithm has been used to radicalize people. Um, also, Alex Winter, who is the director, um, and obviously uh, he played Bill in the 1989 film Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, he's very passionate about this topic. You can tell by the way he talks about it on social media. Like You can tell about- by the way he pretends to play guitar in the air. When he mm-hmm, talks about yeah. it, uh, <laughs> you uh, and and he he talks very passionately about the subject, and like I appreciate you know whenever a director has that passion about how like yeah our algorithms are shaping the way we think, 
uh, and can have deleterious effects on society. So I think uh, if this is a topic you're interested in and you don't know that much about YouTube's role in this, uh, I, I definitely feel comfortable recommending the YouTube effect. Mm -hmm. If like me or like Devendra, you follow every single development of this and maybe have written about them or made, made content about them, uh, I don't know that it's going to be that much yeah. new for you. But um, the, these things are really meant to inform everyone, I think, because there's so much that went down and has gone down. I think I think it is worth encapsulating. Yes, into it, it's a nice, yeah, it's a nice kind of yeah. like time capsule of this point in time and what we learned about these things uh, and so on. Uh, what what does, we learned about YouTube's effects and so on. Yeah, go ahead. Does it play as a cautionary tale? Definitely, I think. Yeah. Definitely. That said, they got a lot of participation from both YouTube, like. Uh, the former CEO of YouTube, Susan Wojcicki, uh, was in, is, is an interviewee and a lot of YouTube stars are in the video, you know? So, um, but I think I, I would say it's like, Hey, it reflects both the positives and the negatives, Jeff, you know, it's like, Hey, it's had some nice democratizing effects and also some really terrible radicalizing effects. It's just, a, it's just a nice overview of what it is. Um, so yeah, that's the YouTube effect. It's available in limited release right now. I think it's playing in Alamo Draft House around the country. Um, and it'll be available in streaming in early August. Uh, it's directed by Alex Winter. And if you're interested in the subject and you don't know that much about it, YouTube Effect is a movie I'd recommend. That's one thing I've been watching this week. Devendra Hardwar, hit us up with something you've been watching. Sure. I've been checking out I'm a Virgo on Amazon. This is Boots Riley's follow-up to uh, Sorry to Bother You. And I think it is uh, just as fun and absurd and wild and interesting as that movie. I don't know if you guys have all seen the pitch for this, uh, but for the listeners, this, this is a story about a giant man, a 13-foot-tall uh, teenager who's living in, uh, in Oakland. And it is, th that's it. He's big. And it's very... It's kind of wild how far the show goes because there's there's obvious commentary here about how society is afraid of black men in general. And Boots Riley is saying, you know, a lot of those things. That I, don't, I don't think subtext is much his thing, uh, but he is very, very, um, I don't know, just visually inventive. Like there's a lot of Charlie Kaufman stuff here. There's, there's a lot of like Spike Jones imagery. Uh, just the idea of a giant man living in a house, I think, is fascinating. Uh, the opening scene is a woman carrying a big, big baby. And it's just like, it's one of those things where I don't think they ever fully, I'm like halfway through, I don't think they ever fully explain like why he's so big. Like there seems to be a history of giants in the world they're in and uh, the world doesn't treat giants so well. Um, but it is fascinating to see, um, yeah, them just craft a world for this guy who is uh, living at home basically until he's 19 and until he starts to make some friends and goes out into the real world. Uh, it stars Jarell Jer uh, Jerome as the lead. And I think he is just fascinating. Um, it's a funny show. It's very sweet. Um, it, you know, there are a lot of statements about race and like being black in America here too. Um, also, Walton Goggins is in the show, guys. Weirdly, Walton Goggins. Super weirdly plays a, a rich guy who is just straight up a superhero i'm pretty sure everybody just knows like yeah he's he is just a super vigilante guy in a in a rocket suit um he, when walton goggins shows up in a show like this too i pay attention because i think he is um he is doing like his sinister bruce wayne thing and i think it's uh it's just really funny but it's also very much about living under a surveillance state and what life would be like Maybe if uh, if Batman were, was actually, you know, a billionaire with, with way too much time on his hands. I'm loving the show. I love the style. I love the vibe of it. Um, 
it's just really surreal. It's really funny. Also co-stars uh, Olivia Washington, uh, who is um, Denzel Washington's daughter. And you can totally, you could see that immediately too. She's been in a bunch of projects, including Macbeth. Um, but you could see that immediately when she smiles. And uh, there is a great fun relationship between uh, her and Cootie, the giant boy. I think the show is a lot of fun. If you liked Sorry to Bother You, I think you will really dig this. Uh, everybody should be watching this. It's I'm a Virgo on Amazon. Jeff, it sounds like you've watched it or at least seen a trailer I checked out the it? first episode. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. I love it's I wild. love stuff that's um takes place in a, you know, fantasy reality kind of like this yeah. where it, yeah. it's it's like a fairy tale almost. It feels like a fairy tale. Uh and uh mm-hmm. yeah, I dug the first episode, but it is it's it's taking big swings. It's, it's really interesting. Yeah. I love it's the swings. Yeah. yeah. Jeff Kanata, hit us up with something you've been watching. I checked out the new animated film Nimona on Netflix uh, and thoroughly enjoyed it. I think this is a, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to put it at sea beast level, but it's close. Uh, And it really, you know, having just come off a main episode where we talked about Elemental, a movie that all three of us liked to various degrees, but came away positive on. I think this movie highlights even more my criticisms with Elemental in that I see the Pixar template in it. And it, it feels very uh, by the numbers in a lot of ways, as far as just sort of big plot points. And Nimona just feels so much more interesting. It's, it's, it's got great world building. I mean, the world is fantastic. It is a, what if, you know, the Excalibur world mixed with like Blade Runner? It's sort yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw Nimona as well. Um, and I, I thought it's such an, it's like, I don't think I've ever seen this before where it's like, ultra futuristic uh technology like flying cars and and ships and stuff like that but also there's knights stuff, yeah right it's like, like knights of the round table persist into a futuristic world right so you have these guys who are literally wearing suits of armor and are knighted to fight monsters but they ride around not on horses but on flying motorcycles yeah, you know? yeah. uh really really cool idea yeah i i love the world building in it but it's almost ancillary to, you know, the, it, it's a backdrop upon which this, this movie plays, which, I mean, obviously, it's, there's a lot of night stuff in the movie. It's, it, it, and I, I, I'm really glad I didn't know the plot mm-hmm. before starting it because there's a couple of really big swerves that happen. I, I haven't watched the trailers, but I'm hoping are not spoiled in the trailers because uh, there's a few things that happened very early in the movie that I was like, oh, whoa, that, yeah, I didn't yeah. see that coming. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's cool. It, it, it's, I think it is not as beautiful a movie as, um, as, you know, an elemental or a sea beast. Um, I think it's still, the animation style is really cool. Um, it certainly doesn't feel as expensive as either of those movies. But my goodness, the vocal performances here. Are great. Riz Ahmed plays the main lead uh, character. Well, uh, Jeff, I thought I thought of you in watching Nimona because the, you know we in Elemental we lamented um, in our Elemental review. I think we lamented the past world where mm-hmm. you would just hire really good voice actors. You'd yeah. hire like yeah. the right person for the job. And yeah. yes, they have Academy Award winner Riz Ahmed in the cast, but the rest of the cast is like. I bet they just got who they thought would be perfect for that role. Do you know what I mean? I agree. I, I mean, yeah. honestly, the most, the voice that stood out to me the most as being like, I can't not see that actor 
is Beck Bennett. Yeah, Beck Bennett. I was gonna say. I was gonna say Beck Bennett. Yeah, he's like so him, but but it's also one of the try guys. One of the try guys is a voice actor in this movie, and he's great. Chloe Moretz is is phenomenal. Amazing. She knocks it out of the park. That character, the the main character, the the titular character of Nimona, is played by Chloe uh, Grace Moretz, and she is so fun has so many facets to her. I don't even want to spoil what makes it that way, but she is, you know, she sort of revels in being bad uh, and is, you know, it's, it's very like metal and it's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful performance. Uh, I had tons of fun with this movie. It sounds like you did too, Dave. I really like this movie a lot. Uh, I, I recommend, we got a bunch of uh, pings on social media, some emails recommending this movie. Um, yeah, I would recommend Nimona on Netflix. You know, Jeff, the way I would describe the animation is inconsistent. Um, yeah. There are some moments of the movie that are just heart-stoppingly beautiful. Just like, wow, incredible. And then there's some moments that literally look unfinished. Like, it's like, wow, this looks like a weekly TV show. You know, like a weekly animated, t- like Clone Wars in the early days or something. You know, like it looks really rough. My understanding um, was that that's accurate, actually. That the movie almost wasn't finished. Mm, I don't know. Like, I'm not, yeah, I, I I could be completely pulling this out of my own brain, but um, I think I I think I heard that this movie was almost not finished. They almost uh, didn't weren't able to finish it, and then they swooped in at the end. So it, it may be very much that that there's certain shots that sort of had to be rushed or uh, under budget. But but yeah, the, the the design of the world is great. Yeah. Um, the and there are some moments that are like, wow, like that is incredible. Like that looks like an amazing painting. Yeah. Um, There's a moment at, at the very end that is iconic. Yeah, just yeah, a iconic, gorgeous. Iconic, yeah. yeah. And um, this might be my favorite Chloe Grace Moretz performance. Like I think she's very talented, but like this is one of my favorite uh, one is, ones of her performance. And you know, Jeff, you've been very vague about the plot, which I salute, and I will also be vague. And I'll, but I will just say. The movie has an extremely important message um, that's yeah. very valuable for the times we're living in right now. I agree, and so I I, str- I, I strongly recommend it. I strongly also recommend. the, it's a lot the of fun. sort of yeah. central romantic uh, relationship in the in the movie is a homosexual one. Yeah, which I think you know, and it's unabashedly. So yeah, I, I say that, and I immediately think of the other two. It's un- Disney's first unabashedly <laughs> gay scene, um, but. Uh, I, I would uh, argue that the representation here, to me, you know, it's not my place to judge, but to me, it feels more meaningful than in a lot of Disney films. Agreed. Um, yes. So yeah, yeah, it, and it's just effortless. It feels like, like it's just, it's just yeah. that's the relationship. Just, there's no just, there, nothing there made of it. It's like yeah, that's just what it is. And uh, you know, there's really, I will repeat where I started, which is there are twists and turns in the plot that don't feel formulaic to me. Mm, and I think yeah. in an animated movie these days, I put a lot more emphasis on that than I used to because there's so much more, there's so many more animated movies and they all seem to have that three act structure that are so, and this movie does, this movie does, there's, you know, you know and our heroes are, you know, get into problems and they resolve those problems. But I feel like it, it's so much, it's a little more sophisticated. It masks it. it it's just a more complex, interesting plot then we're we tend to get from these you know mm-hmm. an, big budget animated mo- 3d animated movies these days and i this, I thought, this was a web comic were you guys right. familiar with yeah. it before yes yeah 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 uh n- not familiar with it but i knew i knew that it was based off of a of a comic ah. and um yeah. 
And, uh, you know, one of the things I also like, Jeff, is, like, the reveal, like, the world building keeps going on throughout the movie. Like, yeah, you know, throughout the whole movie, you're finding out, oh, like, yeah, how would that, how would this technology work in a world of, you know, knights and stuff? You know, and the whole movie, it's kind of revealing new things. I really like that. Yeah, They have crossbows, right? Because we're still knights, but crossbows with laser sights. Right. It's it's awesome. It's so cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Recommend the Mona. It's a great movie for all ages, uh, unless uh, you know there's I some scary know. stuff. There's some scary stuff in it. So yeah, I would right. not show it to my children. Uh, PG, who, PG, PG. Yeah, it's yep. definitely PG. intense. Not G. Uh, yeah. yeah. But uh, Nimona, it's available right now on Netflix. Also, shout out to Francis Conroy. Yeah, Francis Conroy's played, in it. Played Ruth Ruth Fisher on Six Feet Under. So good. Uh, and she's a, she has a pretty significant role in this movie, and she's awesome. Um, love Francis Conroy. So yeah, and that's kind of like yeah, the, the, Francis Conroy is not a big name. In, you know, right. like she, she's very talented, has a huge, big career, but you don't hire Francis Conroy to get more butts and seats or, you know, people streaming. <laughs> right. Um, right. But it's like they chose the best person for that role and Francis Conroy kicked ass in this movie. Um, and so loved, loved her performance. Also, another shout out. There's literally a character whose name is Ambrosius Goldenloin. Mm-hmm. Yep. Any yep. movie that goes, you know, that has Ambrosius Goldenloin. As a main character, you know, you got to respect that. Indeed. Indeed. Well, that's Nimona, and it's available right now on Netflix. And Jeff Kanata and I really recommend it. Let's take a break for some sponsors. We'll be right back with more of what we've been watching right after this. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. I'll talk about something I've been watching. Um, are you guys familiar with the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse? Sure, they've. Uh, I see them on Twitter all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they were, you know, people that were introduced in the Book of Revelations. Um, not specifically identified in the Book of Revelations, but widely understood to represent death, famine, war, and conquest. Right. Um, four harbingers of the end of civilization as we know it. They all have blue checks now. <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't help but think of the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse when I watched a, mo- uh, a TV show on TLC called Milf Banner. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. I do remember that. Which you is they got a bunch of, review of it. They got a bunch of hot young people and their moms on an island to uh, mate with each other. That was, yeah. uh, that was and they, they filmed it, okay? If uh, if Milf Manor is one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, then the show I'm going to bring up today is a second one. I would submit <laughs> to you. Okay, <laughs> that show is Deep Fake Love, 
which is available right now on Netflix. Now, I need to tell you the premise. You just keep doing this to yourself, by the way. <laughs> I need to tell you the premise of the show. Data's uh, out there on the front lines taking a hit so we don't have to, you know? I, I need to tell you the premise of this, because, Jeff, I think this, uh, let, me, no, let me be clear. This show should be watched by no one. Okay, so, uh, like, do not take anything I say to indicate that you should watch this show. No one should watch this. But I am okay? going to platform it anyway. Well, I'm going to tell you about it. You know, <laughs> it's important just because you shouldn't dive into the terrible thing doesn't mean you shouldn't know that the terrible thing is there, Jeff. Can I Can I guess? I have no idea what this show's about. Can I guess it based on the title? You can get. I don't think you're going to guess it, but you're, you're welcome to give it a shot. Go, I assume go, go that it's some sort of catfishing type deal where the de- we, we create a, uh, an avatar that is uh, completely, you know, uh, non-real. And we get the people to fall in love with that avatar. Is that anywhere close? Um, to quote Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible 1, it's much worse than you think. <laughs> Relax, Luther. It's much worse than you think. Okay, so the idea of deep fake love. Here's how it goes. Okay, so they get five couples who are like, they've been dating for anywhere between nine months and like nine years. And... They split them up. So there's like five five people that go to one house and five people that go to another house, right? Are you with me so far, right? So yes. There's five people in one house that's called Mars, five people in one house that's called Venus, right? <laughs> uh, and they split up all the couples. So you're not with a couple. And the, the idea is that these couples responded to an ad for a reality show that's like, do you want to test your love? Okay. Do you want to test your... Because a lot of these people are engaged. So they're like... Are, are we are we gonna get engaged? Like, is the love really accurate? You know, is it is it real? You know, there's only we... one way to find out. Go on a reality television show. Well, you know, you say that jokingly, but a lot of people actually do. Just between this and the ultimatum, and uh, and many other shows, a lot of people feel that that is the way to find out, right? Um, okay, so in each of these houses that the five people are in, there are they they pack each of the houses with, uh, I think, like anywhere between seven to ten. Sexy singles, <laughs> right? And they film all their interactions, right? And the idea is, that, hey, maybe I can get to know these people and 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 see, like, hey, what? Test my commitment to my significant my my significant other. Okay, then they bring the five people like into this thing called the white room, which is actually this really impressive looking room um, that's completely white with a massive screen on it. And they show them scenes from the other house, right? Where their significant other is. But the hitch is some of them are fake. They've been God. recreated using a body double and deep fake technology. Oh, I hate this <laughs> and so some much. of them are real, right? And the contestant needs to vote on whether it was fake, what they just watched is fake or real. So it'll be like their fiance freaking making out hardcore with someone in the other room or um, literally like eating peanut butter off of their ass or something like that, right? And <laughs> and they need to guess. And, and then they need to guess, like, was that a real thing? Was Did you just watch a real thing or was it fake at all? Was it a deep fake, right? Does I can imagine your fiance you... have a peanut allergy? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I can imagine you being in this, Dave, though, and just really taking that magnifying glass to the to the screen. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, that is my partner eating peanut butter. I, I, I think uh, Jeff. I think you. You know, I, again, I do not think you should watch the show. 
But I oh, think I you'd won't. be I think you'd be interested just in the idea of like yeah. how good are the deep fake recreations? I think it, he's visiting to tell you how to get away from the show, you see. <laughs> Cuz what they what they do is they have body doubles recreate these scenes. Like they have a body double recreate a scene of like making uh, out and then they put the person the significant other's face on it. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Oh yeah, yeah, okay. I get what you're saying. And then at the end of the show, whoever is more at, so then at the at the end of each clip, the the person needs to vote, was that uh, true or fake? Was that real or fake what you just watched? And at the end of the show, the couple that has the least errors gets 100,000 euros. But if you were right about it being real, yes. That doesn't make it any better for you. No, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. It's a, you everyone, get the money or your life is destroyed. Everyone loses. <laughs> everyone loses. I'm really, really looking forward to the day when some reality TV show producer is just like, okay, the setup is uh, you were married for 20 years. We check in on you 20 years later. Was it all a sham? <laughs> Did your wife actually love you? You had two decades of, uh, this was yeah, an actor the life, whole time. Children, a whole life together. Two decades. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but... First of all, it's like it's one of the most prominent uses of of deep fake technology that I can recall in in any kind of show, let alone you know like in the, certainly in a reality show, right? And we've been yeah. talking about AI and our after darks and so on about like what's the potential for this technology, and it must have taken a really sick, twisted mind to come up with <laughs> this application. I, 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 I'm watching my fiance make out with Tom Cruise right now. I don't yeah. know if this is real or fake. I, I I will say the show is pretty bad. Um, not not just morally bad, but also just like bad from an entertainment perspective because most of the people are boring. Uh, you you know they're not particularly engaging people, and also you're, you're basically watching them being emotionally abused, right? <laughs> so they're like they're watching videos of their significant other making out with someone, and then they're they're like literally freaking out. They're 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 like. Getting super upset, crying, watching these clips, right? Then they go back to their house, and then they literally do the same thing. Like they, they literally, they literally are like hooking up with other people sure. at their house. Why wouldn't you? At that point, at that point, you just right. watched your fiance have a three-way with <laughs> Joe Biden. <laughs> so anyway, um. But what I do enjoy is, I mean, you're watching like uh, a- attractive people get emotionally tortured, which if you like that kind of thing, is this is a show for you. Uh, but also, I, my, the, my fascination is watching the the clips that they play and trying to figure out myself if they're deep fakes. You know, like just to see if I can see the seams in the in the CG technology. You know what I'm saying? Sure, fun, um, super fun. It's fun. That's fun. That's fun. Yeah. I mean, you're watching someone have a emotional meltdown and collapse in on themselves while watching the same clip. But if that's your kind of thing, Deep Fake Love is the name of the show. And it's on Netflix. How much did you watch of it? All of it. I have no comment. All of it. <laughs> All of it. You watched every second of it. You can't make a decision based on just a few episodes, Devendra. <laughs> uh, they, they are apparently releasing this, episode, this uh, show weekly. So the finale hasn't even aired yet. Uh, it's airing this week. So... Mm-hmm. You have There's your alarm still, set. Still yeah, time to yeah. catch up for the finale of Deep Fake Love on Netflix. But only so. if you hate yourself. <laughs> Devendra Hardware, hit us up with something else you've been watching. 
Oh, sure. What else have I been watching? I've been watching Hijack. Yeah, baby. Which you told me to watch. Yeah. What you, and, okay, uh, does, this, does this check the Divinity Hardware boxes? It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's totally, totally fine. Mm-hmm. It's a totally... I do, I do have to wonder how much you need that real-time hit, Dave. I just okay. So you weren't a yeah. fan. Tell me, tell me what you. I, th- I think it's fine. I, it's fine. It, it, doesn't mean not a fan. I just think it's totally fine. I don't think it's like great. I mm-hmm. think it is uh, pure popcorn with uh, some of those like huge logic holes. Like right, there, there's right. a conversation whenever people start talking, yeah. you know, and just like talk about the situation or something happens. It just kind of takes me out of the show because so many things, so many decisions, um, are just kind of dumb. Yeah, they're dumb. They're, d- they're and, really, and that, that's the really problem. dumb. Because, because, like, I think part of the, you know, Devendra and I spent years, yeah, watching yeah. Twenty Four together. We, we like, lived we, through Kim Bauer being attacked by a cougar, yeah, because you need that for plot reasons. You need Devendra to and I waste we, time. Devendra and I have spent many hours of our lives watching the Kiefer Sutherland Fox series Twenty Four together, and uh, I think. Devendra, you just really like the fact that Kiefer Sutherland is a badass in the show. Right? Like, I, I love Kiefer. I love Kiefer. I do. I, I've always loved the real time conceit of Twenty Four too. Back when they had to make twenty four episodes, incredible of a show, incredible a Insanity. year per year, a year per year. Can Insanity. you imagine? So, but so, and I was like, oh, I, I can't wait to find out how Idris Elba is a badass in this exactly, show. Exactly. And he's he's his his skill is. He's good at talking, kind of. He, he talks <laughs> good, kind of. He talked good. Um, um, that's that's his the extent, and and so the show really does go to ridiculous lengths to justify how he talks his way into certain things, <laughs> right? It's ridiculous. It's fairly it's, impossible, but it's so it's fun. Very, it's very. It's little, there's a scene early on where a guy's racing to catch the plane. Uh, Stewardess closes the gate. Gets close. Can't do anything. Idris Elba looks over. Is like, what's what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> I say it's fine. Therefore, let this guy it is in. Fine. Just let, let this, him in. Let this guy in. And because he, he is so beautiful, um, <laughs> he, like, yeah, sure, you, you're an authority figure. Um, you you are not in any way. You have no command over the airline. But I will listen to you, Idris Elba. Yeah, it's that, like that was uh, the first sign, first sign yeah. that he had this the skill of negotiation with him. Right? <laughs> it's like in Team America. Use your acting, Gary. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. What, Use your talking, Idris. That's exactly. what it is. Every in so many scenes where it comes down to his special skills, it's just his talking, and I don't think it's that impressive. Yeah. I'm going to take this time <laughs> to uh, just re re assess or no uh, re suggest my uh, recommendation of the Diplomat because mm. watching this show, which is trying to be a high wire thriller act, yeah. which I think does devolves into <laughs> silly people doing dumb things very often. <laughs> you have six episodes. What what do they have? It's very short, right? Six or seven episodes. Seven episodes. Seven episodes. Seven episodes. In real, in real time. In real time. Yep. Twenty-four had to fill a whole season of plot, <laughs> and you're treading water within a couple <laughs> episodes. Hijack. I, 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 in yeah. Okay. I, I okay. But did that. twenty-four have most of its action set on a plane, Devendra? The answer is no. There was some no. good plane action in twenty-four. Okay, there, and there here, okay, really here's what's action. here's what's also yeah. good about Hijack and twenty-four uh-huh. is. Both Hijack and 24 did a really good job of making you care about the side characters. Like, tw- 24 and Hijack would introduce, like, a side You have no idea who this person is, but by the end of the episode, you care a lot about their face. And I do think Hijack has some good side some, some of it. I, f- I find a lot of them very annoying. Yeah, like, I, I, think, I think the plane is filled with deeply annoying people doing dumb <laughs> things. And, like, that is not a great recipe. For, for a really compelling thriller for me. I think it's perfectly fine. Like, my wife is not super into it either. We're just kind of watching it. Uh, meanwhile, The Diplomat is sitting right there on Netflix. 
And it is a compellingly well-written drama thriller filled with great characters and whatnot. I just want to tell people, if you're watching Hijack and you're enjoying Hijack, go check out The Diplomat. You'd probably enjoy that too, because I don't see anybody talking about that show. And I know you guys weren't as into it as I am. I will say um, the talking yeah. in The Diplomat is much better than I. Good talking! Smart talking! <laughs> people saying things and making smart decisions. And to me, that's all I need. I just need some, like, uh, you know... Give me uh, those bon mots. Give me those witty turns of phrase. Indeed. Give indeed. me those smart idioms. Give me those G- give analogies. Me, if you're trying to sell me competency porn, the key word there is competency. <laughs> and I don't, I think Hijack is sort of trying to do that, but it is devolving into like literally airport thriller, you know, like an airport novel type of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas The Diplomat is pure competency porn, and that is why I enjoy that show so much. So, anyway, just putting that out there. That's Hijack streaming right now on Apple TV Plus and The Diplomats on Netflix. I tried. I tried with The Diplomat. I tried. I appreciate it. I appreciate you trying. I'm telling this for, for all the listeners out there. It's, uh, it, it is real good, especially if you like Carrie Russell and Rufus Sewell. I think it's great. Jeff Kanata, hit us up with some of you watching. I finally got around to watching Missing. This is Woo! the pseudo spiritual successor sequel <laughs> thing to Searching, a movie that made my top 10 list the year it came out, uh, and a movie all of us really enjoyed. Uh, and uh, I, this is another one, like Nimona, where uh, we were getting people saying, hey, what's, what are you doing? Watch Missing. Come on. Uh, and it's it's now available on Netflix. Uh, not... In that tone, in that tone. Too. Yeah, no, I, that's how I read all my emails. Hey, <laughs> what's wrong with you? <laughs> new specials at Denny's. Like, what? Stop that. <laughs> Stop yelling at me. Advertise me. Um, anyway. Um, you say advertise me? Just not... Advertisement is what I meant to say. <laughs> my mouth doesn't always cooperate. Um, Missing, missing. This is uh, from Nicholas D. Johnson and Will Merrick, uh, the people behind Searching. And if you recall, Searching was a movie that takes place entirely on a computer screen. You are seeing uh, someone manipulate various computer screens. Uh, Any video is a video on a computer screen. That is how missing is conveyed as well. The, The conceit here is that we are only seeing screens. So there's lots of FaceTiming between characters. There's lots of little video clips, but they're always on a screen in a window. Sometimes you'll see it full screen and it'll be like, oh, that's a little bit of a cheat. That looks like a full screen. And then it'll pull back and you realize, oh no, I was on a computer screen the whole time. Mm, love that. But I loved this movie. Whoa, I loved it. Nice. I loved it. It's so good. It's so good. Now. If you ask me to, t- to tell you the plot of searching, I can't. It was on my top <laughs> 10 of the year. I have no recollection of the plot. I, it, you know, other than the fact that there was somebody searching for somebody. <laughs> but wow. I genuinely, can you? Wow. I don't recall. Yes. What Jeff, it's about John Cho searching for his daughter, dude. <laughs> I know, but like, I know that that's what I'm saying. Somebody's searching for somebody. John Cho's searching for his daughter. What happens? It, I don't it, remember. It felt like you didn't even get that far based on what you just said. Well, but, okay. The, I remember it was John Cho. I remember he was searching for someone. Daughter sounds right. But I don't. That I, I I'm trying to express to you that the problem yes. with this yes. is that as much as I loved it, there's it, it will, it's it, yeah. hard to grasp onto things when you're literally watching a 
mouse cursor, go to a text box, right? That's the case here as well. I think this one will be more memorable to me. I'm not certain of that, but I love it. First of all, it stars um, a young actor named Storm Reed, who I know uh, mostly, I think, I think she's in Euphoria, but I didn't watch that. I know mm -hmm. her from uh, The Last of Us television show. She was great in that. She yeah, she's awesome. She played Ellie's love interest in, uh, in a couple of episodes, and she was great. I think this young actor is going to be a huge star. She is fantastic. And this is not an easy thing to carry, this kind of movie. You know, you're just sitting in front of a screen and searching for things. Like, <laughs> this hey, movie... Hey, that's the title of the movie. Actually, this is missing. She's missing things. Oh, shit, you're right. I got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so here's what's so fun about Missing. It, the plot is really good. There are twists and turns and... And, you know, it sets something up as being the explanation and then it has a different explanation. It's really fun. It's a fun thriller, a fun mystery, a fun exploration of that. And it does one of my favorite things, which is smart people doing very smart things. Basically, what you have is this, the very most basic plot is Storm Reed plays uh, a daughter whose mom goes missing. And she does the thing, you know, most of us won't be able to call Liam Neeson and say, hey, could you go rescue my mom? Or the thing that in most movies happens, which is some outrageously wild action thing. What most of us would do in that situation is we'd get on the internet and we try to find some stuff out. And that's what this movie is. She is extremely savvy and very clever. And she gets on the internet and she starts doing stuff that any of us could do. Googling things, trying to get into her mom's email address, like all the stuff that you would do. And she does it really smartly. The movie is so good at having her try things and maybe some things fail and some things work, something super smart a super smart tactic that you might do doesn't work. And so she tries something else. It's just a very engaging procedural idea of what you might do sitting behind your computer if you were looking for someone. And then it starts unraveling these mysteries and things get really juicy and interesting. It also gets pretty dark by the end. I didn't love the end, but uh, I think this movie is so much fun and it's such a cool ride to be like, what would I do? Oh my gosh, she's being so smart. She's trying things and, and figuring it out and, and using all these tools that we all have at our disposal. There's no magic thing that she has that nobody else has. The movie is so smart to use things we all have access to. It is very much a now kind of movie. It actually is pretty cool too because right at the beginning, it's showing you a different time period and so the screens at the beginning of the movie are a different time periods screens. It's like a different operating system, different yeah. tools you would have. Uh, 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 searching did the same thing. I know yeah. the movie you, you don't remember, but uh, I don't. did the same thing. Yeah. I think anyway. they did like, I think we saw some Windows XP action in that one. Yeah, that's yeah. similar. Uh, mm -hmm. I hope I recall this one better because uh, I, I remember loving searching. I could not tell you 
what happens or if there's like a big so much (laughs) i really really left an imprint on you yeah i but i but this movie very fun i'm glad i finally took the time to watch it uh i just think this this premise this style of movie um these guys know how to do it and it's it's not something that always works it's i think it's a hard thing to pull off um because you can get i mean this movie is almost two hours and you're only ever staring at screens and like i said by the end i don't know but you know overall i really recommend missing it's on netflix all right uh and jeff i think you have one last thing You've been watching this week that you want to Well, mention. I wanted to mention folks that were recommending all those shows to my family. We picked one and we started watching Gravity Falls, which is available on Disney Plus, two seasons. Um, I'll tell you a quick story about this. So my six, almost seven-year-old son. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it is, guys. I don't know what it is. If daddy suggest something <laughs> it's a no no i don't uh-huh. want to do that i don't uh-huh. want to watch that i don't want to do thousands of people take daddy's opinions uh. and, and and consider them you know like there's thousands of people that daddy's opinions you know i don't know that might be overstating it a little maybe right, let's say hundreds do- of people do- i would be comfortable with dozens you know like <laughs> There are people for a living. Daddy (laughs) presents his opinion to people who value it. And you, if I say, "Hey, uh, guess what? You know, we we got. I I found a new show that's going to be like the Avatar: Last Better. Better. Do you want to watch it? No, no. Come on, I let's do it. No, Daddy, I don't want to. Well, the rest of the family is going to watch it. So he stands outside the room. <laughs> You're like, I'm not going to watch it. We all put on the first episode of Gravity Falls. Mm-hmm. Within 45 seconds, he's walked back in the room and curled up next to me. And I'm like, did you, are you liking this? Were you right? Was daddy right about it? Yes. So we are loving Gravity Falls. <laughs> it's, and I get to do I what like I told you, you I like so that you ended son. that story with your son, you, you, you being vindicated in the presence of your son. Yeah, yeah. No, I hope he, someday he hears this and is shamed mm-hmm. that he didn't trust me. <laughs> Trust your dad. Mm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so we are loving Gravity Falls. It is it is uh, the story of a brother and sister. You know, my kids, boy and girl, brother and sister. Uh, it's perfect. And they live in this place called Gravity Falls, Oregon, where lots of weird stuff happens. It's, yeah. you know, it's Very kinda, eerie Indiana. Yeah, it's true. eerie yeah. Indiana or Twin Peaks or, you know, it's, it's one of those kinds of things where it's like all the monsters you've ever heard. But the, it's so clever. The first episode is... Baller. I mean, it's. I, I thought the second episode didn't quite hit the same heights, but the first episode of season one of Gravity Falls is fan friggin tastic. It, it it sets things up and it has a really wonderful surprise. And my daughter is still talking about it. Like, there's a reveal that happens in the first episode. My daughter can't get over. She just thought it was so amazing, and it's fun. It's very funny. Some of the jokes go right over kids' heads, but my wife and I enjoy them. Uh, it's got a really kinetic, fantastic art style. Uh, the, there's like a, a, a uncle character uh, who is a little too much like Rick from Rick and Morty for, for my taste. Like it's like eh, kind of veered a little away from that. But overall, we are in on Gravity Falls. We're going to watch the, the two seasons. And I want to thank everybody. So many people recommended that show. I'd never heard of it. 
So I'm so glad that folks recommended it because uh, it it really fits the bill and is a delight. Uh, very it's cool. Very the good. Gravity very good. Falls. Yeah. I believe I want to say one of our very first guests uh, and and an inspiration for this podcast, Andrew Sorcini. Yes, he was uh, the editor. Was an editor. Falls. Was an editor on Gravity yeah. Falls. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it is. Yeah, sh- exceptionally well edited. Shout out to Andrew and uh, shout out to everyone who recommended Gravity Falls to Jeff Kanata at slash filmcast at gmail.com. That's what we've been watching this week. Let's get to a few weekly plugs. Weekly plugs, the part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been making. And looks like Devendra and I have both been talking about threads. We have. Over at decodingeverything.com, my free newsletter, which you should definitely subscribe to because it's free. Uh, I talked about how Threads has had a extremely successful and also terrible launch. <laughs> uh, and you should read about it at decodingeverything.com. But yeah, Threads, it's uh, it's interesting. Interesting gambit. And uh, Devendra, what, what is your weekly plug that also comments on this? Yeah, well, on the Engadget podcast, uh, we brought on Carissa Bell, who is our social media uh, reporter. And she gave us her expertise on this, too, because like threads came as like Twitter had a really bad weekend. Like a lot of dumb things were happening. A lot of self-inflicted wounds over there, thanks to Mr. Elon Musk. And uh, I think it's fascinating to see threads just come in and like steal over 100 million users at this point. Um, I think that story is fascinating. Threads itself as a product is like nothing. It's a nothing product. Um, I don't I think people really need to think about like, are you jumping ship from one billionaire to another billionaire? Mm-hmm. And maybe we should think more about like where we build these communities in the future. Uh, I'm I'm Mastodon for, for life at this point, but the future, it's going to be interesting to see how like threads and maybe blue sky and other things like work together with, uh, things on the Fediverse like Mastodon. So yeah, go take a listen to that episode. I think it's a great discussion. I was going to, how much yeah. people hate Elon Musk. Yeah. They're willing, no, seriously. Like they're willing, you're willing to do literally anything to not be. Well, it's, it's also how much, how lazy people are because literally joining threads is you hit a button and all your Instagram <laughs> yeah. shit gets imported. Yeah. So yeah. no work, just lazy, lazy engagement. It's great. I was going to suggest we talk about threads in the after dark this week. Uh, if yeah, you guys are up yeah, for yeah. It. I'll have but more I, time with it. I like what Jason Gilbert wrote about it <clears throat> at his uh, Substack called Jog Blog. He said, "Threads feels like when a local restaurant you enjoy opens a location in an airport." <laughs> so good. <laughs> Which is just like, yeah, that that feeling of enthusiasm that's going to follow you to Threads, baby. Jeff Kanata, hit us up with your weekly plug. I do a comedy science show where you can learn something and laugh along the way. It is called We Have Concerns. You can find it at wehaveconcerns.com. There's been a couple of really cool episodes lately, in particular one uh, about a new technology that will literally create electricity from the air. Wild stuff. Mm, Potentially world-changing. Stuff Um, from University of Massachusetts in Amherst, by the way. So yeah, stuff to me and Dave, yeah. Uh, so check it out. Wow. We have concerns.com. The episodes are, uh, are fun and brisk and uh, silly, uh, but you actually learn something. So uh, I, I have a good time with it. Uh, Anthony Carboni is my co-host there. Uh, we've been doing it for quite a while. The show has won uh, a, a podcast award. Um, so check it out. We have concerns.com. Of course, I always want to give a shout out to patreon.com slash film podcast, where you can sign up to receive ad-free episodes and exclusive after arcs. Recently, we've been covering movies like Extraction 2 as well as Asteroid City on the After Dark. 
And again, patreon.com slash film podcast where you can sign up to get those bonuses when we can. We also like to deliver movie reviews to you early at patreon.com slash film podcasts. A huge thanks to all of our patrons that make this podcast possible. Uh, I do also want to mention that we post cutdowns of those conversations over at youtube.com slash at the filmcast pod. So maybe you're thinking, I'd love to hear what the boys say about Extraction 2. Uh, well, if you want to see a shorter version of that over on YouTube that happens long after we've published it on Patreon, youtube.com slash at the filmcast pod is where you can find those. Of course, we never want anyone to donate if it in any way causes them financial hardship. You can always support us for free by sharing our videos. On social, Instagram.com slash the filmcast pod. Share our reels that we're posting every single week there. Uh, tens of thousands of people are getting exposed to the filmcast via reels, which sounds like it's a disease or, or moral panic, but it's also a good thing. So thanks to everyone who shares about us, who contributes to the show, who makes it possible. We really, really appreciate it. Let's get to our review of Joyride. Uh, you guys must be new to town, right? New to town, but not new to the country. We just moved from California. Oh, we just wondered uh, if, if you wouldn't mind if your, your daughter played with our daughter. Audrey, say hi. You want to play slide? Mm-hmm. Slides off limits to Ching Chongs. <gasps> Fuck you. <laughs> Do you want to be best friends? Look at me, look at me, look at me now. Guess who's going back to the motherland? It's a big deal, going to your birth country. We used to talk about it all the time when we were little, remember? Grand adventure to find your birth mother. So proud of you. <laughs> Welcome to the Filmcast's review of Joyride. I'm going to read the plot summary of this movie from the internet. Quote, when Audrey's business trip to Asia goes sideways, she enlists the help of Lolo, her childhood best friend, Cat, a college friend, and Deadeye, Lolo's eccentric cousin. Their epic no-holds-barred experience becomes a journey of bonding, friendship, belonging, and wild debauchery that reveals the universal truth of what it means to know and love who you are, end quote. Joining us for our review of Joyride, she is the entertainment editor at Inverse. Huai Chen Bui, welcome back to the Filmcast. Hey, everyone. Glad to be back. So good to have you here. Uh, and loving a lot of the stuff you're putting out at Inverse. In fact, I think uh, you are publishing a piece by the time this is out. There'll be a piece about uh, Mission Impossible stunts. Is that right? H H Good stuff. Yeah. Yes. It actually just went up. Um, and it's a, a feature I wrote about uh, the stunts, the evolution of stunts in Mission Impossible and how it kind of uh, would push the stunt industry itself to evolve as well. And I talked to the stunt coordinator for the first Mission Impossible and then the most recent Mission Impossible films, uh, Wade Eastwood. So uh, I think it's a good piece. I hope you guys can check it out on inverse.com. Uh, definitely check it out. We'll link to it in the show notes. But uh, we are here to talk, talk about Joyride today. Uh, Adele Lim's directorial debut. She's one of the writers behind Crazy Rich Asians, a movie I think we all really enjoyed. Um, there are not that many movies like Joyride coming out right now at the box mm -hmm. office, right? Like there's just not many raunchy R-rated comedies being released. Um, and so given this, yeah, go ahead, HD. It sounds like you I do want to point out that there was a raunchy R-rated comedy that was released just a few weeks ago. And That's that was true. no hard feelings. That was no hard feelings. It's true. It's true. It's true. Um, thank you for undercutting my point right out the gate. <laughs> this is why we love having you. It's great. <laughs> this is why I'm here. This is what I'm here for. <laughs> I think there might be one coming up uh, starring a bunch of dogs. Also. Oh, That's yeah, true. It's true. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I do okay. want to see no hard feelings. Okay, yeah. look. Th I guess three is a trend. But my point being... <laughs> 
other than those three, uh, you know, it's it's largely gone away as something that's in the box office these days. But there's nothing like being in a theater with a bunch of people being uncomfortable at some really raunchy jokes or laughing your ass off. So I'm oh, curious, yeah. HT, did Joyride serve that function of an R-rated comedy for you? Did you have a good time watching this movie? I had an okay time watching this movie because I had a lot of anticipation for Joyride. I was really excited to see Stephanie Hsu's next project. I was really excited to see what Adele Lim had next after she uh, was unceremoniously, um, not kicked off, but kind of parted ways with the Crazy Rich Asian sequel. And um, I was a little bit disappointed, I have to admit. I think that this was a movie that really, that lived up to that, you know, unfettered, raunchy rom-com um, premise in the first maybe like 30 minutes of the movie. And then it kind of tapered off in a way that I thought was a bit disappointing and felt like they needed at least a few more punch-ups because it felt to me kind of like a first draft of a movie. Um, but if we're going to talk about <laughs> raunchy rom-comedies that came out uh, this season that I prefer, I actually will say I think No Hard Feelings is a bit superior to that just because mm-hmm. it feels like a tighter movie. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, Joyride, while it has its good moments and moments that did make me laugh out loud and made me really enjoy my time in the theater, I just think that it um, didn't deliver as much as I hoped it would. Let me ask a question, uh, a couple questions, HD, before we move on. Uh, one of them is like, uh, to me, the thing that connected for me more, more in Joyride was like the emotional elements of it. Like, I actually enjoyed those much more than the kind of raunchy, humorous elements. And I'm curious, like, there is, there is a kind of tender heart to this movie. Um, it's a movie about identity and finding your own identity. And I'm curious, like, if that resonated with you at all or more so than the comedy it resonated with me but i do think it almost felt shoehorned in in a way that didn't feel like it was seamless with the raunchy Mm -hmm. first half of the movie yeah and i think that you can have those tender emotional moments in a raunchy uh comedy um just look at bridesmaids for example where it slows down in the third act and it has those really uh, sweet, tender character moments, but it also is buoyed by really funny moments in between and really great, just, you know, funny character moments too. And I feel like they kind of forgot to include the comedy in those tender moments. And I know that that's not something that you have to, um, you know, expect with everything, but I think that that's what you kind of should be expected in a movie that is billed as a raunchy rom-com. Fair enough. Uh, Annie Mumolo, by the way, uh, was like an actor in Joyride, and she, I mm-hmm. believe she co-wrote Bridesmaids. If yes, co-wrote, and she was on the plane. Yeah, yeah, she was on the plane in Bridesmaids. So, anyway, Devinger uh, Hardware. Yes, your your overall thoughts on Joyride? I love this movie. I think I think it's fantastic. I think it both succeeds at being that raunchy, uh, you know, R-rated comedy, but also. It, it kind of did hit me out of nowhere. There are some big emotional beats here, and this isn't a big spoiler. Adoption plays a big part of the story. It's in the trailer. Like, that's how the story is represented. And I also found, like, it's just really fascinating what this movie does around the idea of not only figuring out your identity racially in America as, you know, somebody uh, who is an immigrant to this country, but also within the country you're supposed to be from and also within your identity as an adopted person. And I think that it just feels really personal to me, like that, that whole element of it. And it's not really like talked up much in the trailer or, or like how deep it goes into that. But I found myself really moved by a lot of that. And I think this movie both, yeah, I, I think, I think the funny stuff is genuinely good. I agree. HT, like it does feel 
a bit first drafty. Some of it feels a little fatty, like you could probably trim a little, a few things, maybe tighten up the editing. Uh, it almost falls prey to the Judd Apatow thing um, where people are just kind of riffing for a little bit and you can kind of <laughs> mm-hmm. feel that in some scenes. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like as a culture, we've maybe moved a little bit away from that, but I don't know. I found it a little, I found it fun in like a throwback ways. Like I remember when a lot of comedies were basically just that. Um, I really enjoyed all these characters. Um, There's like this movie kind of goes different ways than you'd expect. Um, Like um, the main character, uh, Audrey, Ashley Park's character. She's not just like the boring um, straight laced woman who's like dealing with all her raunchy friends her crazy childhood friend, her movie star friend. Like she gets in on the action. And I found that really fun and really compelling. And uh, we will talk about some of this stuff in spoilers. But I think I think it's generally fun how far this movie goes. Um, it both reminded me of Bridesmaids and um, Barb and Star, but of Vistel Del Mar. And there are a lot of elements from that movie that are in here, too. It's kind of a smush of those together. Um, I almost think this movie could have um, could have been a little crazier. I feel like it kind of builds up to the to the zanier moments. And maybe we could have had some of that in the beginning, although I think that playground scene is a good introduction that was also in the trailer. And I think that, that always got a huge laugh from audiences. So, you know, I'm I'm mainly taking away like really good feelings from this movie. I dug all the characters. They're all just really funny. Um, sure, it could be tightened up. I think uh, maybe if they get another shot at something similar to this, I would love to see the sharper version. But I, I genuinely enjoy what we got. Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on Joyride? Well, Dave... I guess you could say my thoughts on Joyride are best summed up in the form of a limerick. Mm. Let's hear it. I promise you I'm not a prude. (laughs) (laughs) I know where this is going. Great opening. Great opening. (laughs) Uh But I found the jokes a bit too lewd. And rude. (laughs) What I didn't expect was that I would be wrecked in tears by the time it concludes. That's a journey, Jeff. Yeah, real real journey. It was a journey for me, this movie. Um, (laughs) I I fall much closer to HT in my uh, assessment of this movie. Um, I found the humor a bit forced, uh, and it just didn't land. I mean, comedy is a tough thing to judge, right? Because it either works for you, it doesn't. It's hard to make a sort of objective assessment of it, but being extremely subjective, the first, um, Devendra referenced the very first scene of this movie on the playground. The first scene of this movie, I thought, oh my God, I am going to love this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's so funny immediately. I was also like immediately kind of emotional because it's such a sweet moment. The first scene of this movie. yeah, And I'm like, oh, this is going to be one of my favorite movies of the year is going to be my, one of my favorite comedies of the year. I, I just can't, I, I'm so certain that I'm going to love it based on the tone it set, the like just brash kind of, here we are. It was great. It, it was, it had married this really funny moment with something very sweet and heartfelt. And I think the movie kind of struggles to do that subsequently, mm-hmm. right? It goes very far with the raunch. It goes very far with the, audacity and, and, you know, sort of the debauchery of what we're witnessing and high fives, right? Go for it. I, I, it just, it wasn't really working for me comedically. I didn't find the, the lengths that they were going to be particularly hilarious. I did laugh a few times, but, um, but then, you know, and then it has these moments of heart, which I, like you said, Dave, I 
found to be much more successful. And yeah. I was completely in, but they do feel like the movie stops what it's doing and yeah. does this other thing for a, a while and then goes back to what it was. It's, it really feels bifurcated and mm -hmm. there are seams, right? And I felt like that didn't work too well for me. I, I really liked when it leaned into the heart and leaned into the friendships and, and some of the revelations that we get later on and th the ideas that it's talking about. But those seem to clash with its just body, rude, in-your-face raunch. Uh, and I didn't feel like that it made for a very cohesive film experience overall. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and it is interesting to reflect on, like, what is it about movies like Bridesmaids that might have been able to mix those two things a little bit more successfully? Um, I think experience is probably one. I don't know. Like, it, mm. it just that felt like they were a little more finely crafted. But it's not like Adele Lim is new to TV writing or anything. She used to work on Xena. Like, she's been yeah. around, yeah. you know? Yeah. I think maybe I, her not having a part in the script might have to do something, have something to do with that as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to talk about that opening scene a little bit more. Cause I guess I think you're right, Jeff. Like that is kind of the perfect yes. encapsulation of like the movie at its best. And yeah. that's the yeah. beginning of the trailer too. Like yeah, that was a great in, trailer. It's in the trailer. And I, I just really admired the scene. Mm -hmm. I want to describe my emotional journey watching the emotion, this scene, right? So it's basically these two families, they introduce each other, uh, themselves to each other. One of them is white. One of them is Chinese. Um, uh, but they both have uh, a Chinese daughter, uh, because one of them is adopted. And this white kid piece of shit comes up to one of them and says, like, no ching chongs allowed on the on the swings or whatever. And then gets punched the fuck out, like right immediately, right out the gate. And I had two immediate thoughts. Not just Watch a punch it. out, but a fuck yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. a fuck you and a punch out. Fuck Love you, it. punch out. Yeah. Okay. I had two Kicked. thoughts. What? Go, go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> well, I want to hear your two thoughts, but I I would I would frame that progression completely different for me maybe yeah. because maybe you knew what was coming maybe you'd seen the trailer i had not but yeah, it's a reveal yeah. the framing to me was chinese family that we that i immediately sympathize with yeah. coming into it they they walk into the scene and they're like oh my god it's all white people here we're not going to be accepted isn't the yeah. town called like whitesville it's, it's, it's like a very yeah. it's very yeah. Clear what it's saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's funny that I can't even remember. There's a couple of lines that are like, mm -hmm. it's like walking into a a, a, a cafe that, that <laughs> features board games or something like it's like <laughs> yeah. great, great lines. Anyway, they and then these, this white couple comes up, and I'm immediately thinking, oh my God, they're mm -hmm. gonna say something horrible. And they kind of start that. And the Chinese couple assumes they're gonna say something horrible. And they're like, hey, are you Chinese? And they're like, oh, here we go. You know, and me as an audience member is going, oh, here we go. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, is your daughter Chinese? And they're like, why do you want to know? Why do you, you know, it, we're baited into this interaction yeah. that we think is going to happen. And they're like, well, because we want her to play with our daughter and their daughter leans out from behind their legs and is revealed to also be Asian. And you go, I immediately was like welled up with tears. Like, it's just a beautiful like the way those two little girls look at each other and mm -hmm. make an instant connection, it's it. Anyway, so I don't want to. No, 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 it's okay. Take anything away no, from that. That was a much saying, better like, description of that whole journey <laughs> than what it, I provided. It really, I was already like, I love, I love mm -hmm. the heart of this, mm -hmm. you know. And then you have what you describe, which is 
hilarious like double middle fingers these two little <laughs> you know these two young girls are like yeah fuck you you know it's so it's so great yeah well, i think both jeff and dave read on this scene is like is appropriate to the movie because it's mm-hmm. kind of that heart that's paired with that sudden burst of like raunchy um like kind of uh, inappropriate inappropriate comedy and right. i love that scene too it's the scene in the trailer that kind of gripped me and i was like oh i can't wait to see what this movie's about and i wish they maintained that perfect uh, symmetry of tones in that scene for the rest of the movie because I feel like they mm. almost do, but then they don't quite get there. I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So the uh, characters are from a place in Seattle called White Hills. Is that White a real Hill, place? It's not a real place. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, but apparently, naming a place White Hills in Seattle was the whitest thing that the writers could come up with, uh, which is not. Uh, I don't oppose that. There yeah. is a place that I like right <laughs> down the street from me called White Center. That oh, it wow. might have been a reference to. Yeah, it's called yeah. White Center. There's no so. hills there, though. No hills. No <laughs> hills. Uh, it actually is very hilly, but it's weird. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> it's weird that they they call it White Center. It's a weird name. Um, but anyway, what I was saying was uh, I had two immediate thoughts watching that uh, young white boy get completely owned. Uh, white boy number scene. one in the, in the <laughs> cast, by the white way. Boy number one of the cast, yeah. which is... Number one, this is how racism should be depicted in movies, <laughs> right? None of this uh, uh, licorice pizza bullshit. Like whenever mm, you know, so mm. whenever someone is a racist, they should get immediately punched the fuck out or yes, somehow yes. chastised or something like that. That's great, love that. Um, but then also, uh, my thought was, why did I think of that when I was a kid? <laughs> like, oh, you same, know, same. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I have had those playground yeah, we've, experiences. We've like, had these playground experiences where did people not have call that you names, and it's like, that. yeah, didn't think to punch them out. You know, that should have been. <laughs> On my list of things to do. And if you're uh, too anyway. far, you need to run after them and punch them out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. Um, but yeah, it was it was a great opening scene. Um, and I would say there are, uh, as you said, Jeff, I had a very similar experience. There's moments where I like th- thought it was very funny. But ultimately, the stuff about exploring your identity, um, that stuff is much more interesting to me. And I think mm-hmm. it is fairly well executed in the, uh, during the movie. You know, like Surprisingly uh, so. Yeah. Worth, worth recommending for that alone. Um, also, like, uh, it, it made me think of a bunch of other movies and works that deal with the idea of transracial adoption. There is a documentary on Netflix called Found that I would strongly recommend. Um, it's about these Asian girls that were uh, uh, Chinese girls that were, like, given up for adoption and they try to find their their birth parents. This is a thing that has happened, you know, thousands and thousands of times because of China's one-child one policy. Um, also, uh, one of my favorite writers, Nicole Chung, wrote a memoir called All You Can Ever Know. It's like one of my favorite books ever. Uh, would strongly recommend that. If like if this topic kind of is of interest to you, uh, I would recommend Found on Netflix and All You Can Ever Know by Nicole Chung. I think they're great works. But yeah, uh, I think I would say there's intermittent laughter throughout uh the the screening and for me throughout this movie joyride but also i i really enjoyed the heart of this movie mm-hmm. and and loved a lot of what it was trying to say so uh with that said uh before anything else otherwise let's get to spoilers and we'll talk about some of the more specific moments in, in the movie so here we i mean go. i do i do want to call out like the the core cast i think is really good and um i'm waiting for the girl who plays lolo sherry cola who's yeah. in first of all great name I'm sure that got her a lot of fun playground attention. Um, but she's in Good Trouble, which is a show that we don't talk about that much, but it's a, it's a lot of fun. She's very good in it. I think they all like, and uh, I think they all like add something to this. And I really like 
the character of Dead Eyes too, because that's a character uh, who I don't think we really get to see much in it in any movies these days, especially like a raunchy comedy. I think she gets to hold her own, and like they have they have moments that I think are really great to see in a movie like this. Um, so yeah, I just want to call them all out. I, I think like Timothy Simons is in here a bit uh, from Veep. And I think he is very funny as a sort of like ally boss, but I don't know. He keeps stepping over himself. Like I, I like all those little bits because they feel true to life. Uh, there is a scene um, where they're playing. What is it? Um, what, what do you call that? Squash. squash. Yeah. But it's like coming out of squash. Racquetball, like, yeah. Yeah. Racquetball. Dave, Dave, other Dave, Jeff, Mike. Yeah, that was funny. I mean, yes, yeah. I have those moments. Yeah. I liked all those kind of prodding at at sort of white uh, performative allies in that way mm-hmm. that I thought were, that was, those are the moments that I thought were really funny, especially. And I liked his performance, especially because he really plays that kind of almost satirical version, but of a person that you know all too well uh, in Absolutely. this movie so well. We all know that person. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He All keeps right. saying, I, I don't trust people like you. I mean, associates. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. good. as a lot of good recurring gags with that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, do some spoilers for Joyride starting right now. I've thought up an ending for my book. It makes no damn sense. It compels me, though. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. When I buy a new book, I always read the last page first. That way, in case I die before I finish, I know how it ends. You can't handle the truth. Inconceivable. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'll just start by saying, in terms of spoilers for this movie, uh, when Daniel Day Kim shows up... <laughs> Everything is the, good. The, Whenever he the, pops up. The yeah. scream... My wife scrumped, <laughs> scrumped at that moment. Yeah, uh, she she literally screamed out loud when Daniel Day Kim shows up. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, I kind of did too a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Daniel Day like Kim is a prize MVP of this year, I think. Of everything, when, yeah. in real life, do people just cheer when he enters a room because it's <laughs> Daniel Day Kim? Yeah, it's great. I I really appreciated the fact that like we as the audience, or maybe some of us, have metatextual knowledge that Ashley Park is Korean. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so we're watching this movie. It's like, oh, I guess they had a you know Korean woman play a Chinese woman. That, that happens. You know, it's fine. Um, but then they actually made the fact that she's Korean part of the story, which I thought was really great. Like, and 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 how the idea of being a transracial adoptee must be like definitely comes with its own challenges. But then thinking that you're this one idea for your whole life, and then having that upended, mm-hmm. it's a very profound idea. And and realizing that like i think the realization right is that um uh you need to kind of lean in or uh lean on the existing connections that you already have more than than kind of this idea that you had of yourself because like that idea that you had of yourself in her case um was wrong you know it was it was inaccurate uh but yeah it it was a kind of surprise reveal but i appreciated how it was handled ht what Mm -hmm. did you think of how um Audrey's fate played out at the end of this movie. So I feel like I'm coming off as sort of the grump of this uh, <laughs> this review, but um, I actually really did enjoy the sort of reveal of um, uh, Audrey's uh, lineage, I guess you would yeah. say. Um, I thought it was, yeah, a wonderful way of actually using her real ethnicity, uh, uh, Ashley Park's real ethnicity in the movie. But I also um, thought that the movie treated the concept of trans of just like 
identity and transracial adoptions in a way that I thought was very sensitive and considerate. Um, but I just thought that, yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about it before. I think it was just a little bit kind of a tonal, um, yeah, you know, suddenness That's when it came in. The last, the last third of the movie feels like mostly mm-hmm. a different movie. It than feels the, they like they did get that. Yeah. They they got a great moment yeah. where the family that loved her, that loved her character, is like, "Oh, you're Korean? No, 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 get the hell out yeah. of my yeah. house!" That was pretty funny. <laughs> that is a great, which a great is note. probably how that would play out. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, HT. Sorry, you were you were about to say something. Yeah. Uh, no, it. it I can't remember what I was going to say now. Okay, but um, but yeah, I think that uh, the actual treatment of it was done really well. Um, I just wish that, yeah, it was, it was part of it more, I guess. But yeah, I like I like how much time they give to her kind of having this revelation and dealing with it. And the whole sort of segment with uh, Daniel Day Kim was, was really sweet and really nice. Um, it had reminded me a lot of uh, the sort of tone of Return to Seoul the um, mm. fantastic indie film that was released la- la- late last year, kind of mostly released wide this year. Um, and I thought that if they had managed to marry those tones in a way that was more successful, I think that it could have been so much better because you could have kind of like the comedic, um, you know, version of Return to Soul, but give, the- give that a bit more of that sort of accessible <laughs> boost. Yeah. Uh, Return to Soul, for those who don't know, is a great movie. Um and is is very similar in plot. It's about like a woman who's trying to discover her birth parent, like going through the journey of discovering their birth parents, and like the impact that adoption has had on this character. Um, it, it, thinking about that movie, it's a very serious movie. It's like a pretty like a kind of a bummer of a movie. I have to say, like it's not a bad movie. I, I think it's I recommend it highly, but like. It just makes me realize like how high the order of difficulty was for Joyride. Like yeah. the idea that you'd even mm-hmm. attempt to blend this extremely personal story with uh, some really raunchy comedy, nudity, sex stuff. Um, it's difficult. It's difficult. And uh, it, w- it wasn't always completely successful, but you got to admire them for taking the big swing. You know, they like it's, it's difficult to do that. So anyway, um, Devendra and Jeff, I'm curious if there's any moments uh, towards the end of the movie that really resonated with you or that, that I mean, stick out listen, to you. I, I I was mostly alone in that theater, but it was me and like uh, some teenagers behind me who clapped when Daniel Day Kim appeared. So certainly, <laughs> yeah. it, well, it the, the video he plays, I mean, I was yeah. bawling. My yeah. I, yeah. I was bawling. I mean, straight up, like crying in the theater uh, yeah. the, when the video plays. And just this notion of, you know, uh, the, the, that mother. I, and it plays so lovely. Like the... The Daniel Day Kim character just seems like the greatest person you could ever. He's like has this calming presence, which is mm-hmm. the actor brings that. But mm-hmm. then, you know, during that video where she's like, you know, I was like, and he's in the background going like, that's not what you told me. You know, it's like it's so yeah. great. And their relationship is we don't get much of it. We just get this tiny snippet of it. But you can feel so much more there. Um, it's it's really beautiful, but it is in stark contrast to shoving things up your ass and you know do all the other parts of the movie that are uh you know decidedly not that um yeah so it's i, I think bridesmaids really is the touchstone right which is a movie that is the more i think about it and whenever i revisit it's like this movie is kind of a miracle like how did they just balance all these characters and all these things so well together i loved it at the time but that's a movie i love even more and more it's tough 
that balance is so, so tough. And then like this movie does straight up do the sort of like Barb and Star thing at certain points too. I love a surprise three-way in the movie. I like that that's normal and in acceptable. Life. In, in life, <laughs> in life exactly. <laughs> and at the end of the day, you're not apologizing for it. You're not like, it's, it's just that like, hey, everybody had their night. Uh, that whole that whole montage of everybody's night, I think was uh, was a lot of fun. And certainly like people started cheering in my theater because we didn't know how crazy this movie was going to get. And that part certainly surprised me, too. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. This The stuff in the hotel room was, was pretty funny. So I have one question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just one, Jeff. Uh, one <laughs> predominant question. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, I mean, I guess I guess the answer is they were just going to always have sex in the dark. Right. But what was her plan with the. With the husband, there's gonna be a moment where the tattoo would be revealed to the boyfriend, right? I feel Mm -hmm. like that wasn't fully thought out, you know. (laughs) She's just always, I really wanted to be in the dark, as dark as possible in here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, uh, that's why the movie is about her, you know, learning to accept herself and and represent her true self to the people that she really loves. So, yeah, you know, that's why that's so it's so important. So important. Also, I would say important safety tip if you are going to pretend to be a k-pop band in order to get through customs mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. as you do wear underwear wear under- don't live stream it <laughs> don't live stream yeah, it don't live thing. stream especially don't if you know stream. you're you know doing something illegal <laughs> I, I do like how the whole like business plot of it just kind of dies by halfway through the movie because it's like it, it it didn't seem it seemed like her growth as a character is like you gotta you gotta be beyond whatever this deal is to make partnership under this thing uh maybe more of a setup that she didn't really enjoy her job early on i think would have been yeah, really helpful there because yeah. at the end of the movie she yeah. she says i hate that job i'm like really okay I didn't yeah she was to like moved yeah. to california for that job yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean i mean look the movie does set up some of like, oh, you yeah. can imagine being around all the Timothy Simons as characters would be challenging. But like, you don't really get a sense from her that she's like, oh, she's like perfectly stressful. adapted to yeah. it. Which, yeah. 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 I wonder if I the hard that. pivots of this movie from being sort mm-hmm. of like this, you know, girls trip, uh, raunchy comedy to suddenly being a much more tender story about identity and transracial adoption. I wonder if the first half was what kind of sold the movie to uh, to the studio, like this is a raunchy comedy with Asian women. They're usually so mm-hmm. um, not able to express themselves in this kind of extremely lewd and extremely, uh, you know, big way. And that was something that, you know, I think it's in and of itself, that's something that's worth exploring too, because there is a, uh, you know, a sort of stigma with uh, Asian women allowing being allowed to express themselves in this way and being allowed to embrace their sexuality. Uh, but then the kind of, it feels like two movies. It feels like they're like, mm-hmm. okay, we can sneak in this little other path of uh, this other story that we actually care about more um, in the second half. Yeah, because uh, Sherry Cola's character is like her her big thing is, you know, that's a huge part of her art too is like body parts and sexuality and stuff like that. Um, but I, I agree. It, it felt like there's a few like underdeveloped themes in the movie, but that were they're promising, you know, but that weren't like fully, uh, you know, uh, explored to the fullest extent they could have been. So, but also, I mean, it's a it's a big broad comedy, so it's hard yeah. to to mm-hmm. pick apart the plot in any you know real way because it's you know we're in a different logic here. But I also think the whole plan of actually finding her birth mother is there's no universe where that's going to work, right? Like 
You haven't seen your birth mother in a million years. You're like, hey, hey, nice to meet you. Could you come and pretend that we've had this relationship for like <laughs> right, right, find the, literally the whole, any person the and you scheme. That would, the, yeah, scheme the scheme doesn't make no any sense. sense. Yeah, you know? yeah, I agree. It doesn't I agree. make sense. Like taking the train uh, and then being lost in the middle of the country. So like, okay, they get saved by a basketball team. Like that's like that's a fun, very comedic, a broad yeah. comedy type of twist. But then I think it kind of loses me when they're like, okay, let's go to South Korea. And they're yeah. like, I know. And I was like, uh, in what world would you be able to speak, uh, do an international sort of, you know? <laughs> you know yeah. uh, the extent to which they're willing to try to get the actual person who is her mother. Like the, that that business guy is not going to know the difference. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like, you know, just, like, one where you just like, hire a random woman. And then like, that's yeah. also, that also could be another fun story too, actually. Uh, that's yeah. a funny movie too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like, you're willing to pretend to be a K-pop band, but you're not willing to pretend <laughs> someone else is your mom. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's like, is it easier to teach astronauts to drill, or is it easier, <laughs> right. to, or is it easier to teach drill drillers to go to space in Armageddon? Okay. There's salt of the earth, Dave. Don't think about it. <laughs> Don't think about it. Also, right. what was what was the deal? What is her business? It was just she's business. a lawyer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she was a, she was a lawyer, lawyer, but what was like the she deal? Had, yeah, was it a a lot I, of it just felt like business? Yeah, <laughs> like I have to do business. They went to the business, business factory and they made a yes. business. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I I my, I got an M and A sense out of it. Yeah, um, maybe mergers and acquisitions, or mm-hmm. maybe actually I have no I have no idea. Yeah, you we have it. no clue. Yeah, but it's not that important, but yeah. it's one of those things that felt like I really got to get this deal through. <laughs> it feels like a yeah. It feels like a comedic sketch, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah I do want to say, and I'm going to be sort of like another negative Nancy thing, but the broad sort of you know stereotypes about Asians in this movie, which I thought were actually quite fun, like the whole oh we can only do a deal in this club because that's how we do it in China, and like that's like that kind yeah. of wild um, sort of weird cultural specific, culturally specific things that play well in like this sort of broader comedy context, but then it feels a little bit like a strange choice to make when you get to the more specific, you know, more sensitive parts about cultural identity and, and, um, and, uh, you know, transracial right. adoption. So I don't know. I mean, I enjoyed those and I thought like, oh yeah, that's pretty funny. Like that's like the, when they, they have the airport sequence and they're pointing out like, these are like the, the new rich Hong Kongers. These are the, yeah. um, the Bougie old rich Hong Kongers. Yeah, the Bougie <laughs> yeah. Shanghainese. And like, that's, Cor- those are Koreans. Like, yeah. I don't have to talk to them, talk that about would- them. That would get you canceled. Um, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> like it works but, in the more absurd I, part. I, I think, yeah, I, I think you're right. Sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Go. I just want to say real quick, my favorite line, because I thought of you, Dave, was when they're like, you're, the, you're, you're basically white. Name every character from Succession. She <laughs> starts doing it. It's very funny. She's like, oh, you got me. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I lost it when she was saying, like, what's your favorite bad band? And she says Mumford and Mumford Sons. Mumford and Sons. <laughs> like, Dead yeah, Eye is just, so like, good. dying. Just, like, falling asleep. Yeah. So good. Yeah. 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 But um, anyway... Uh, I, I agree with you, HT. There's almost something like, like, the the finale of this movie is trying to make like, a very nuanced point about what it is, like who you are, and like what does it mean that she's now Korean instead of Chinese? Like, what what are the subtle differences that that causes, uh, or that that makes you feel about yourself? You know, what what are the ways that that transforms how you think about yourself? It's not like dramatic necessarily, but it's also like, oh, I have a whole different history than i thought i might have Mm -hmm, and so on you know mm -hmm. and it's all very like detailed and complex nuance and that's almost like um opposed in some ways or it it cuts against 
making broad generalizations about groups of people, which is kind of what where a lot of the movie derives its humor, right? Um, so yeah, it, it, there is this weird tension between those two things here, uh, and I agree with you there. That said, I thought the generalizations were very funny. Um, so that, that's so, every yeah. comedy, yeah. right? Yeah. Like you, yeah. you do find humor from it, but you can you can find meaning through a deeper exploration. I will say yeah. one of the generalizations yeah. I found really funny was when um, they are going through the the train carriages and. Uh, Audrey keeps saying like no not this one not this one and she sees a couple an older elderly couple just like eating oranges in their train carriage and I I thought that was a really interesting like a fun texture because oranges are something that a lot of Asian cultures will eat just like as a snack and everything and uh, there's a little joke later where she's like what do you think is the drug dealer on this train do you think it's that those couple with the oranges (laughs) that was something I found really funny like a nice sort of culturally Mm -hmm. specific thing that um I feel like feeds to sort of more of like those more like jokes that Asian Americans would definitely get to. I, I, I do wish the movie had explored that aspect of her a little bit more, right? Like it does hint like, Hey, she's more comfortable around white people than she is around ostensibly her own people. And what does that mean for her? But, and like that scene was kind of emblematic of that because she didn't want to sit with the, the native people there. Well, um, also the the over obsession on pickpocketers and things like that. Right. Like, oh, I can't be here. This is a dangerous be, country. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I, that that's yeah. like a that is a fascinating phenomenon yeah. that actually is you know happens for a lot of Asian Americans, and uh, I wish that that was was explored more deeply. But yeah. uh, it was nice to get a Meredith Hagner uh, cameo yeah. from, from Search, uh, Party. Search Party. Yeah. You know, so she's uh, she's in the movie, so that's nice as well. So it's funny. Yeah. Uh, all right. Any other thoughts, or shall we wrap it up there? At the end of the day, it is, uh, despite all the qualms we have with this movie, it is still really impressive that Adele Lim made a movie. Uh, Ht, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, let people know where they can find you again uh, before we wrap up here. Well, you can find me on Twitter and on Blue Sky at htranbui. <laughs> Yeah, and you can. Fi- I'm not joining Threads. I refuse. Yeah, we we, we don't need to talk about Threads anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, you can find my own podcast, Checking Through Time and Space, which is a podcast about Doctor Who and Star Trek, told from the point of view of a Doctor Who fan, me, and a Star Trek fan, Jacob Hall, who I co-host with. Um, and uh, you can also find me writing at Inverse.com. Very cool. Uh, so. Great to have you back, HT. We really appreciate you joining us for today. You can find more episodes of the podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McEwen from The Midnight. Our spoiler bumper and weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. Video assistance provided by Kurt Mega and John Barry. This episode was edited by me, David Chen. Next week on the podcast, it's a day long remembered, folks. It's a day finally I have been waiting for for many, many years. Which is going to be our review of Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. Since before the pandemic, we've been anticipating this movie. Indeed. It's finally here. I've already seen it once. I'm going to see it again in IMAX this week. Uh, so, going to be a lot to discuss. Uh, also, highly recommend you check out Inverse's piece about Mission Impossible stunts. But yeah, until next week, we'll see you later. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>